This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by Travel Texas, which invites you to visit a place where you can find authentic adventures at every turn. Over the years at Outside Magazine, we've covered many of the unique experiences that you can only have in Texas. From camping in Big Bend National Park to world-class kiteboarding and windsurfing off South Padre Island, what comes through in all these stories is that Texas is really what you expect. I feel like it's a place of discovery. And as an editor, there's nothing more exciting than surprising and delighting my readers with something they don't see coming. This is my colleague, John Dorn, who found himself totally unprepared for the spectacular environment he encountered on his first trip to Texas when he visited Guadalupe Mountains National Park. It's a remarkable place. It's got a range of ecology and fossil history and wildlife and bird life that is truly stunning. There's something really special about the colors in this northwestern corner of Texas. The contrast of the yellows and the reds and the oranges that are flaming in fall color against the backdrop thousands of feet below you of Chihuahuan Desert, where you look out and see uh, sand dunes and salt flats and acres and acres of cacti. It holds a special place in my memory among the the hundreds of backpacking and hiking trips that I've taken in my lifetime. Learn more about the many unique adventures you can find all across Texas at TravelTexas.com. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. It is officially summertime, and that has me and a lot of other folks in a good mood, especially this summer, when we find ourselves spending time in the flesh with the people we love and really missed hanging out with over the last year. To celebrate this, we here at The Outside Podcast are kicking off a new short-run series that we're calling The Summer of Love. It's made up of stories reported by Outside Magazine contributing editor Florence Williams. Flo, as I think I'm allowed to call her, is probably best known for The Nature Fix, her 2017 book that investigates the science behind nature's positive effects on the brain. For years, she's explored the intersection of human health and the outdoors. And earlier this year, she came to me with an ambitious idea to explore how our relationships with each other are catalyzed or intensified or maybe dissolved when we head outside. For the first episode in the series, she brings us the tale of a man who found the courage to share his true self with the world after climbing a very big granite wall with a new friend. Last month, Jordan Cannon celebrated his 27th birthday. The big wall climber likes to set himself a birthday challenge, like scaling 10 really hard pitches in one day. But this year, he went even bigger. On May 2nd, Jordan announced on Instagram that he's gay, making him the first male professional climber to come out publicly. My post went way better than I, than I could have hoped for. Um, positively overwhelming, I would say. How did that make you feel? Um, very loved. 
<laughs> Jordan had been terrified before the announcement. Until recently, he'd had a hard time even coming out to his close friends. And he wasn't used to feeling loved. Not at all. But that started to change after Jordan met legendary Yosemite climber Mark Hudon a few years ago. Jordan could legitimately be my grandson. Jordan and Mark started climbing together and soon decided to take on one of the biggest challenges in the sport as a team. But what began as an athletic partnership turned into a life-changing friendship for both of them. That rare kind that allows you to fulfill your dreams in ways you don't even believe are possible. What were your first impressions of each other? Mark, do you want to go first? She's asking you. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Are you trying to avoid the question? What did I think of Mark when I first saw him? Uh, The first thing was, wow, he's a lot shorter than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Mark is typically uh, glowing with excitement and energy just uh, being outside, you know, going climbing or talking to his friends. And he was friendly. Yeah, very charismatic. Not not an old curmudgeon like you might assume some <laughs> older climbers could be like. They sound like this now, but when they first met at a climbing event near Lake Tahoe in 2018, Jordan was pretty starstruck by Mark. If you know anything about me and my climbing, I, I really like Yosemite climbing and I really like climbing history. Mark, you know, was a big climbing hero of mine and somebody who was steeped in the Yosemite climbing lore that I was really familiar with. At this point, Jordan was already a skilled and ambitious climber. But the part of the sport that he loved most, free climbing big walls like Yosemite's El Capitan, that all started back in the 1970s with Mark and his climbing partner, Max Jones. That's when new tools like spring-loaded anchors allowed climbers to ascend routes in the so-called free style, using ropes only to catch them if they fell, but not to pull themselves up a route. Well, free climbing was common, but free climbing at a very, very difficult level was uncommon. And free climbing El Cap hadn't even been done yet. It was one of those things where it was just so big and so wild that people didn't even conceive that you could climb it. At one point, Mark and Max free climbed all but 300 feet of the Salafé Wall, one of the iconic routes up the 3,000-foot sheer face of El Cap. And this was in 1979, and this blew people's minds. Big wall free climbing, that's my favorite thing to do. And Max and Mark are huge players in that history. It's, it's pretty funny being a legend. Jordan and Mark ended up talking a lot at that Lake Tahoe event. They even climbed together on some nearby routes on Donner Pass that Mark had pioneered back in the day. I saw that Mark was still climbing and still climbing hard. Right from the get-go, it was obvious that Jordan was way into it and was felt that it was really cool to be climbing there at the cliff where Max and I did you know, so many hard routes. Not surprisingly, they got on the topic of Yosemite. And Mark confessed that even though he's now 62, he still sometimes dreamed of completing a full free climb of El Cap. He'd been eyeing Freerider, the same route that Alex Honnold famously climbed without any ropes in 2017. I mean, I wanted to free climb El Cap. It's a big thing. I mean, it's a, it's a giant thing. And it's been a big thing in my life. And so I thought, well, wow, I could probably do Freerider. I could probably work on it. He'd already done some work on Freerider, attempting it a couple of times. But he never really got close to the top. Things just sort of fell apart and nothing really happened. 
And so I just sort of gave up on it. And I went, oh, well, you know, I mean, you don't get everything you want in life sometimes. That really surprised me because I was like, dude, what you like, you can't give up. You got to you got to go back. You got to you got to see see it through. But seeing through a climb of El Cap means putting in a monstrous physical effort that can be tough even on young climbers. It takes intensive training. Mark figured a year's worth. Even if you're in top shape, climbing freerider can take days. And you have to lug a pile of gear up the wall with you. When you're on El Cap, you know, you've got to haul all your water, your food, your sleeping gear, the extra gear. You've got to haul all that up the cliff behind you. And so I told Jordan, I just said, I can't haul it. You know, there, I just, I can't do any hauling on the whole route. And I would need to devote a year of my life to it. You know, I would have to spend a year climbing with someone and getting in shape and psyching up and I'd have to go work the route and, you know, that's what I'd need. So I described this whole thing to Jordan. He said, oh, no big deal. I can do that. You know, I'll do that for you. And I said, are you sure? I go, this is a whole year we're talking about. And he goes, oh yeah, no problem. And I went, Okay, and here it was, you know, I barely even knew this guy. Though they seemed to be in very different places in their lives, in some important ways, they were ready to find each other. Jordan had climbed Freerider once already, and after that, he and his climbing partner were attempting another route on El Cap when they witnessed the death of two veteran climbers right in front of them. Jordan was badly shaken, and in the aftermath, he and his partner went in different directions. Because of that accident, it like split up my partnership. And so I kind of felt like I was at a point where I didn't have a climbing partner. And I also felt like I was had gotten to a point in my climbing where I had prioritized my own goals. I didn't want to be as selfish in my climbing anymore. And so when I met Mark and he told me he needs a partner for this thing, I was like, sweet, I need a partner. Two, you're my climbing hero. Three, I get to help support you on your goal and see your dream come full circle. It was like, yeah, it was like no-brainer for me. But both men were also at stages in their lives when they needed more than just climbing support. Mark had been all on his own in a much broader sense and struggling with that. My marriage had failed, so that was tough. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to live. I didn't really know. I mean, here I am. I'm a bum living in a van. I didn't, I didn't know how that was going to work. And then there was Jordan, still, by his own account, very much a work in progress. He'd had a difficult childhood and often felt bad about himself. He'd spent his teen years in South Carolina in a conservative Christian community where his parents and his preachers made it clear that being gay was not just wrong, it was evil. And Jordan had been pretty sure he was gay from an early age. I started having those thoughts and feelings i think as as early as i mean, as early as four years old is as, as far back as i can remember it's weird i still haven't really figured this out for myself yet but something about me at the time even at that young age like i knew that that wasn't okay and so i just i just tried to pretend that it wasn't there and hoped that it would go away at some point but it didn't one day in high school a friend confided in Jordan that he was gay over a Facebook message. Jordan responded, wow, I might be too. My mom ended up reading that message exchange on my account. I remember my dad getting kind of intense and driving me around 
um, the city one night and trying to explain to me that this isn't me, this isn't who I am, that, you know, I'm giving in to the, the lies of the devil and I have to return back to God to find myself and save myself. I remember being in a very like depressed, very angry, resentful state, just kind of hopeless and greatly misunderstood, you know, without many outlets to find comfort in, really. Jordan even ran away for a while during his senior year of high school. He went to a friend's house, but he took his car, which was still registered to his parents, and the police ended up getting involved. I didn't really have a plan. It was really impulsive. I just like, I was like, I just got to get out. And then once I was out, I was like, I I don't want to go back. He did go back just for a couple of months before leaving for college, but he didn't heal that rift with his parents. So when he fell in love with climbing during his sophomore year at San Diego Christian College, he sought mentoring from older climbers. I found the the older climbers particularly more inspiring, but also just because they're the same age as my dad. And I, I just feel like I've never connected very strongly with my dad or, or looked up to him as a role model in that way. And so you could definitely you know, make the argument that I was trying to fill that, that gap in my life at the time. Two years after graduating from college, Jordan was living in a van and climbing nonstop, still working on filling that gap in his life. That's when he met Mark. When I started climbing with this old guy, a lot of my friends even were like, who are you climbing with? Like, what are you doing spending your time with this old guy, you know? Um, And I was like, what? You don't know who Mark is? Like, Mark's rad, man, you know? And so I, I felt... I felt kind of misunderstood by my my peers. To prepare for their attempt of Freerider, Jordan and Mark climbed together almost constantly for most of a year. This had them chasing good weather across the West. Yeah, we started gaining a lot of momentum. You know, we went from Joshua Tree to Las Vegas and then uh, the Utah Hills and we went to Zion and then uh, went over to Yosemite. This was the spring of 2019, when there was so much snow in Yosemite that they shacked up for weeks at a friend's house. But most of the time, they parked their vans next to each other. They cooked, worked out, and relaxed. They made an odd duo, separated by nearly a foot in height and two generations. He has the typical taste in music of his generation. What? No way. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, as far as far as I'm concerned, because I just consider music these days really, really terrible. No, Mark, you do you do not know the, what the majority of people my age listen to, and I am not one of those people. Well, I grew up in the golden age of music. Uh, Mark is heavily biased towards his life experience. I listen. To, I listen to more classic rock than probably anybody else. You my age that you hang out with. I mean, when we're in my van, we're listening to my music. The more time they spent together, the more comfortable they became with each other and the better they did as a climbing team. Most of our climbs have gone really well. And the only fear I can remember ever having is more like if I tired Mark out too much on a big day and was like (laughs) watching him stumble back to camp and feeling like, oh, I'm going to break this guy. (laughs) Right. He understands that I'm an old guy, and I keep saying, you're not really going to understand what it's like until you get old. So he'll he'll figure it out one of these days. I mean, I'm not going to be around to see it, which would really make me glad, but, you know, one day he'll be climbing and he'll go, oh, yeah, this is what Mark felt like. He'll be so impressed with you. Well, yeah, I hope. 
I mean, I already am. What was it like for you developing this close friendship? Um, I could feel, you know, the the kind of mentorship that was happening. And, you know, I understood the way that I viewed Mark, but I was very unsure if he viewed me the, the same way. You know, I was like, I mean, he's like a father figure to me, but do people like that have son figures? I don't know. <laughs> you know, so I was afraid of, of like saying too much as and uh, in fear of, you know, pushing him, pushing him away as somebody who doesn't want to play that role in somebody's life. Jordan was doing his best not to appear needy, but it was clear to Mark that he did, in fact, need some things. Jordan was missing some important pieces of how to be a grown-up. I mean, I would, I would correct him on his table manners, you know? He was sort of eating like a slob. And I'd go, okay, Jordan, you need to sit up, you need to sit erect, you need to look at someone in the eyes, you need to stop playing with the napkins. And it just seemed to me that there were just these giant gaps in Jordan's upbringing that he just didn't understand. He didn't understand that, that I could trust him, you know? But slowly, the trust between them grew. Yeah, the first time I remember thinking that was hiking back from from one of the one of the climbs we just did. I don't remember what we talked about. We were just talking about life, family stuff, probably. And yeah, I just remember starting to feel feel really comfortable and trusting of him. Was that a new kind of feeling for you? Um, yeah. Mark had already parented one kid, his daughter, who's now grown. But he had no idea what he was getting into with Jordan. At some point, did it occur to you that you were sort of taking on this role, this sort of paternal role? And how did you feel about that? Yes, I did. At some point, I did realize that. And at some point, I went, oh, we're not just going to go climb El Cap. We're going to talk about a lot of shit. Holy moly. And so here I was with Jordan he was going to help me climb El Cap, which was great. And then I was going to help this guy with his life. And I was going to help him learn to be confident in himself, learn to be happy in his whole skin, learn to love who he really is. And it seems like to do that, you had to really love Jordan. I mean, I'll definitely say I love Jordan. You know, I mean, it's, you know, he's a great guy. He's a really, really good person. I'm very proud to know him. People deserve love. I I could see that he wanted to grow. I could see that he, he knew there was something missing out there in his life. And, and, you know, so here I am. I, I live in a van. I'm retired. I've got everything I need. I have time, and I sort of have that ability. It's something I can do. At the top of the episode, we heard from my colleague, John Dorn, about a remarkable trip he took to Guadalupe Mountains National Park. Like so many destinations in Texas, the park offers a uniquely vibrant combination of wild country and rich human history and culture. As a journalist, I just think it's so interesting to be in a place and to write about a place where you're stepping in the footsteps of people who maybe 10,000 years ago drew the pictographs that are on the rock walls that you're seeing. 
to know that once upon a time, our Buffalo soldiers were patrolling this park and that it's part of the history of the Overland Mail. As a longtime editor in the outdoor and adventure space, I've written and or edited literally dozens upon dozens of stories about wild places. And when I think about how to tell the story of Guadalupe Mountains National Park, the theme I keep coming back to is surprise and delight. You could say the same thing for so much of Texas, from the small artsy town of Marfa, which is surrounded by cycling routes to the capital, an adventure sports capital of the state, Austin, where you'll find an abundance of trail running, mountain biking, and water sports. Learn more about the unique adventures to be found across Texas at TravelTexas.com. For Jordan Cannon and Mark Hudon, what began as an impulsive project to free climb El Capitan was turning into something much deeper than either of them expected. Was there a part of you that also really, you know, kind of welcomed this almost intimate domestic relationship? You know, everyone wants to be with someone. Everyone wants to be valid. Everyone wants to be valued. And then I, you know, I mean, I enjoyed having a really good partner to climb all these things with. Yeah, it was it was weird. Um, I've I've never spent that much time with with another person before, and so. You know, I even say that my friendship with Mark is like the first serious relationship I've ever had. And then the fact that I hadn't gotten to a point in my life where I had accepted my sexuality, so there wasn't much going on like romantically. And, you know, I had pretty good friends, but I don't know. There's just there's very lacking deep relationships in my life. And so Mark was kind of the first, and that opened up a lot for me. I just felt like every day Mark was accepting me more and more and understanding me more and more and helping me deal with stuff from my past that was affecting the way I was still interacting with the world around me, just not being very confident in myself, not feeling like I have much value or worth or deep down that there's something wrong with me. And Mark was the the one to kind of help me see that that's bullshit and start to move out of that. Jordan and Mark's friendship and their Freerider project caught the attention of the larger climbing community. Sam Crossley, a friend and filmmaker who worked on the Free Solo documentary about Alex Honnold, ran into them in Las Vegas. That's kind of where the first interest in our partnership began. You know, he just asked if he could come shoot photos of us one day on this on this route that we were climbing. Um, and I said, yeah. And then afterwards, he was like, dude, like... Mark is really rad and you guys are crushing like this is cool. And I was like, yeah, dude, I I've been telling people like I think it's going to be awesome. Crossley decided to make a short film about their attempt to climb El Cap. He's openly gay. And during the course of the shoot, he and Jordan talked a lot. Crossley tried to convince Jordan to come out on camera for the film. But Jordan wasn't ready. He hadn't even told Mark yet which was something that weighed heavily on him. When my dad found out, he didn't respond very positively. And so now Mark's kind of playing this new father, fatherly role in my life. And so I was very terrified that he might respond in the same way and that I wouldn't be able to handle that kind of rejection again, especially with the connection I, I had to him now. Finally, in the fall of 2019, a couple of months before their free rider attempt, 
Jordan decided it was time for the talk. Were you so nervous? Yeah, like big time. It must have still been a big moment to really share with him. What was that like? So yeah, just one night hanging out outside under the the stars, just like sitting on the pavement next to our vans, you know, just trying to muster up the the courage to to tell him, kind of just like being frozen, just like opening your mouth and not being able to, to spit anything out, you know? So I told him the main reason I have with my parents is that they think I'm gay. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, because I am, <laughs> you know? I was like, they don't, it's not, they just, they think like, no, I actually am. And they have a big problem with it. How did that feel to say that? You know, people ask that all the time. Like, oh, how does it, how does it feel when you told this person or that person? And after a while, kind of starts to just be normal and feel the same. But the first, especially, you know, somebody like that, whose approval you desperately want and need and seek, uh, it's much more of a relief, especially when they respond positively, which which he did, of course. So Jordan just had, had all these had all these questions. How do I live with myself if someone who I who I like and maybe idolize if they don't approve of me? How can I fill that hole in myself, or is it even a hole in myself? So. You know, we're talking about all these things. Basically, Mark responded exactly the way I I needed him to and was really uplifting to me. Crossley's film about their El Cap climb is called Free As Can Be. In an emotional moment, they reach the summit, achieving Mark's 40-year dream. Oh, boy. Made it. Great job. Oh, God. Mark had managed to climb 99.9% of the route. You happy? Happy with that? (laughs) I'm going to take that. (laughs) Two moves, that's it. Two moves, two moves of aid. You did all the rest. Yeah, I did all the rest. I free climbed the whole thing. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Jordan had helped Mark scale the wall, but ultimately Mark had to get himself to the top. And the same was true for Jordan when he came out. Mark had helped him feel more confident, but it would take many more months before Jordan found the courage to make his public announcement by himself on Instagram. When he did, he knew he'd be helping young climbers looking for non-traditional role models. But he also came to realize that the huge identity issue that had plagued him as a kid, it just wasn't all that big a deal out on the rock. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all all here because of climbing, and we don't really care about each other's sexual orientation or family history or or whatever, you know. We're all here for the love, shared love of climbing and, and being outside. Since we're talking about love... Do you feel like Mark loves you? And has that helped you feel differently about yourself? Definitely. And I think Mark was probably like the first person I ever said I love you to. And now and now I say it to my friends all the time. And it's totally common and normal. But it was weird for a long time. And it felt pretty uncomfortable. It wasn't common in my family to say the L word back and forth to each other. 
And so Mark was really the first person that said that to me. And then I, you know, felt it in his actions and in his understanding. And that changed the way you looked at yourself? Um, slowly over a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you're in a better position now because of what you've learned to sort of, you know, seek what you want romantically? Yeah, I, I've definitely grown up. I'm still very inexperienced romantically and still honestly quite terrified by that world. But I at least feel like I'm in a place stemming from a place that stems from pride and confidence as opposed to shame and fear. But you believe in love. Um, I do now. I didn't feel like I was uh, capable or deserving of it for a long time, but I, I do now. Where do you see your relationship with Mark going from here? You know, Mark is still very much like a parent to me, and I think I think he will be for for the rest of rest of my life, but you know, kids relationships with their parents change over time, especially as their parent gets older and as the kid gets older. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know. For Mark, the end of his LCAP project with Jordan was triumphant also bittersweet. He spent a couple of years climbing with me and now he's he's moving on. I mean, he just has to move on to be the climber that he eventually is going to be and I'm not going to be able to go. Another way that it's like a father-son relationship. Well, that too, yeah. It's going to be like, you know, be free little birdie, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I took care of you. You fell out of this nest and now, yeah, you know how to feed yourself. You know how to fly. What advice would you give each other from here on? Jeez. Well, okay, so... This should be easier for you than it is for me. Yeah, because it's the life thing that I do. I've known Jordan for four years. And, you know, the the issue Jordan's been dealing with, you know, he's been dealing with this whole time. And I've just, I've seen him progress so much. I've seen him just completely blossom i mean it's you've done this giant thing in your life you know so this this is sort of done but if you if you continue on with that sort of dedication i think you're just going to achieve fabulous things and it's going to be one of the greatest joys of my life to watch you (laughs) thanks sure but completely my pleasure And you don't have to say anything that profound about me. I'm sort of on the tail end. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, Mark, you're pretty easily made happy pretty easily. Like it doesn't take much for for you to enjoy enjoy living. So I guess that would be my advice is just keep finding joy in the simple things and don't stress too much about the the big things, particularly the, the stresses of getting older. You know, there's still plenty of awesome life to be enjoyed. Oh yeah, we have plenty of adventures left to do. That was Jordan Cannon and Mark Hudon speaking with Outside Magazine contributing editor Florence Williams. Jordan also shared his coming out story in an interview that you can read on Outside Online. Just search our site for Jordan Cannon, with two N's in the middle. 
Sam Crossley's film about Jordan and Mark's friendship is free as can be. You can access it through Sam's website, samuelcrossley.media. Crossley is C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y. This episode was produced by Florence Williams and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. Florence has more stories for our Summer of Love series coming up soon. This episode was brought to you by Travel Texas. Learn more about the many unique adventures you can find all across Texas at TravelTexas.com.